morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 52 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Uh, before we jump into the breakdown, I just wanted to take a second to talk to you all about First Bank. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park and DNVR Rugby. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. All right, so with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the breakdown. That's how we start every show, um, every week, breakdown, talk about the kind of the biggest news in rugby this week. Uh, so we'll start with the biggest news that I saw to come out of the rugby world in North America this week. Is that Major League Rugby announced their plan to start the 2021 season. They dropped that news on Tuesday, so I'll go ahead and read you the release right now. Major League Rugby releases 2021 season launch championship date. In advance of the, its fourth season, Major League Rugby today announced its 2021 season will start with matches on March 20th, 2021, and will continue for 18 weeks of regular season action. 13 teams spread across North America will be competing to make the MLR playoffs. At the conclusion of the regular season, the MLR playoffs will be contested over two weeks of Eastern and Western Conference Finals, with the championship final to be held on August 1st. Quote, we are looking forward to Major League Rugby's fourth season being a powerful return for, for professional rugby in North America, end quote, said MLR Commissioner George Killebrew. Quote, we're confident that this season is going to be groundbreaking for MLR with the expansion to 13 teams and plans to ramp up the fan experience like never before. March 20th is going to be a great day when Major League Rugby returns, end quote. Like many major professional sports around the globe, due to the pandemic, MLR adjusted its 2020 season schedule and turned its attention to ensuring the league would rebound with a strong showing in 2021. League and team officials have been diligently working to build a strong rosters and enhance the fan experience for the upcoming season. Matches will be televised on CBS Sports Network and Fox Sports 2, among other national and local market platforms. The MLR Championship will be broadcast on CBS Television Network on Sunday, August 1st. In advance of the regular season, training camps for all MLR teams will begin February 15th. There will be a variety of preseason activities in each market as well as National Media Day where each team will provide standout players for national and international media availability. So there you have it, folks. Um, market calendar, March 20th, 2021. A lot of interesting nuggets in that release. Uh, something that, that I thought was kind of interesting, you know, when we had Nick Boyer on talking about going to Los Angeles Giltinis a few weeks ago, he had mentioned that they kind of wanted to report right around Thanksgiving, like right after Thanksgiving. Obviously, they're pushing all that back. I believe the report date is going to be right around the beginning of January. So um, training camps obviously can start on February 15th, but I think I've heard that, that they want teams to report no earlier uh, than like January 4th or something like that. But um, so yeah, that's that's kind of, uh, that's the big news from this week out of MLR. So good for them for getting a date on the calendar, uh, something to strive for. And, and it is a little pushback than it has been in these last two years, right? It's usually been starting end of January, beginning of February, so they bought themselves a little more time, um, five or six weeks longer than, than they usually would have, and then it'll just run a little later into the summer, obviously, to, to compensate for that. Because right now the MLR Finals usually Father's Day weekend, uh, so this obviously will spill into August and uh, buy themselves a little more time for that. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this in the required reading portion of the show after the interview, so make sure you stick around for that. Because uh, there's another piece of uh, another piece of reading, uh, an article that came out that 
we'll need to we'll need to discuss a little bit. So make sure you stick around for after the interview. So that kind of wraps it up for the the North American side of things and, and the early part of the breakdown. We'll go to the second half of the breakdown. We'll go South African rugby update. So South Africa has been a lot like the United States. There's been no rugby in South Africa since COVID really hit everything back in March. But uh, fortunately for them, that all changes this weekend with a couple of free uh, preseason Super Rugby fixtures. So we've had Super Rugby out of Teteroa. We've had Super Rugby Australia come up and go already. Um, but we haven't seen anything out of South Africa just yet. So, um, And what they're calling Super Fan Saturday, the Bulls and the Sharks will kick off a doubleheader that will be followed up by a match between the Stormers and the Lions. Um, and the next weekend on October 3rd, South Africa will hold a, host a green and gold trial match as they get set for the rugby championship that will kick off at the beginning of November. Um, but before all that kind of gets kicked off, uh, the rugby ch- before the rugby championship, that is, we'll have the Super Rugby uh, Curry Cup hybrid competition that they'll be playing that they're dubbing Super Rugby Unlocked, and that will start on October 10th. It'll run all the way through November 21st, so it'll feature seven teams. The Sharks, the Stormers, the Bulls, the Lions, the Pumas, the Greek Wasps, and the Cheetahs. And they'll all play each other once, so they'll essentially play six matches. Yeah, so it should be some some good rugby, something uh, you know that, that we're kind of striving to get to that point as well here in the United States. Um, but it's something to keep an eye out for, for sure. I'm not sure what the broadcast situation for all that looks like just yet, but I'll make sure to keep you updated um, as to what I see and what I hear regarding all that. So... Um, that kind of wraps up the breakdown this week. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and jump to the interview portion of the show. So this week, I'm very excited to have the head coach of the United States Women's Eagles 15s team, Rob Kane, um, on the show this week. For those that don't know, the, the Women's Eagles team has been there one week into an eight-week residency program here at Infinity Park. So they're getting ready for the World Cup next September. So I had the pleasure of talking to Rob about you know his background, what kind of went into putting this camp together, and what he ultimately hopes to achieve with this camp. Um, talked to him last Friday, so a week from the day that you guys will listen to this uh, episode. It was a really good conversation. Uh, funny enough, we actually recorded the conversation exactly one year out from the 2021 Rugby World Cup. So he, he mentions in the show that we're going to have to do a, a check-in in the next year. So I'll have to make sure that we follow up on that. So great conversation. Really enjoyed getting to know Rob and, and this conversation and, and hearing about his plans and what the what the team will be up to during these next two months. So with that introduction, let's go ahead and kick it to my conversation with the head coach of the United States Women's Eagles 15s team, Rob Kane. All right, now we welcome on to the show Rob Kane, USA Women's National Team head coach. Rob, how are you doing? Hey, Colton. Yeah, really good. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate the time. So, Rob, the first question we ask everybody that comes onto the show is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Of course, yeah. So you might be picking up from my accent, and uh-huh. please don't hold it against me. But obviously, I'm English. I'm from the UK, uh-huh. um, and originally born and bred in London. Nice. So, how and when did you get into rugby? Um, very similar story to to a lot of um, you know young English uh, kids. You know, teenagers I got into it at school. Um, used to go to my local rugby club with my my mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have bacon sandwiches and watch myself and my younger brother run around, throw the ball about, and, and then just progressed through school. So, yeah, um, yeah family and friends, I'd say, and, and, and a bit of school mixed in there. Yeah, those sound like good days. Uh, Rob, another Very question. Very good days. Yeah. Very good days, yeah, <laughs> especially in the winter. Oh, yes. When you've, got the, um, <laughs> when you've got the steam coming off the floor and you're looking forward <laughs> to uh, 
like a Sunday treat with the family. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rob, another question I like to ask people is when did you kind of get hooked? Was it your first practice? Was it your first match? Like when did you, when did you get the bug? For rugby? Yeah. Um, it's a really good question. I've, not, I've never been asked that before. I just used to like being around my friends. Uh-huh. So I've, I've always, I've always seen rugby as a, as a fun, as a, like a fun game to, you know, and you, and you were very lucky to spend a lot of time with your mates throwing a ball about. Um, yeah. So from a young age, I, I really enjoyed it. I used to watch my dad play. And then I think just understanding what it meant to a community, what a rugby club meant to a community. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of where I came from and when I was younger and, and where I uh, played, you know, the rugby club was central to the community. So you would, um, you'd see everyone in there, everyone would be helping each other out. And you'd all be driving, you know, towards a lot of things in the community. And, and the rugby was almost like the secondary part to it. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. I like asking people that because it's always different. And then in that same light, another question I like asking people too, it's, it varies as well, but do you have a favorite rugby memory? I know it's kind of a, a loaded question and there's a lot of rugby up in your head to pick from, but if you just had to pick one or two memories off the top of your head that come to mind, if, I was wondering if you could uh, let us know about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I was always special when I got the opportunity to play with my younger brother. Uh-huh. Um, he was a lot more talented than me, but um you know, we, we played a few clubs together. That was always very special. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, got some very, very, very cool memories of us. Um, he, he played 10. I played a little bit of seven. Oh, nice. So um, I could still look after him as, as an older brother. Yeah. Although people would argue that he looked after me. <laughs> um, and then I think like making my sort of making my professional debut with my mum and dad being there, that was a that was a big one for me. Yeah. Um, that meant a lot. You know, it was a long, long road to get there. For sure. Um, and yeah, uh, I suppose you could talk about trophies and talk about um, lots of different like celebration moments personally. But um, I always, I always get, I really enjoy it when you see other people succeed. Mm-hmm. So when when you see players succeed, that's um, that's what I really enjoy. Those are great answers, Robin. That's why I say I like asking those because it's. I think people have preconceived, you know, ideas of, oh, of course he's going to say when he won this championship or this thing. But that's why I like because it it's always such a different answer, though. Uh, awesome answers. Thank you for sharing those. That's all right. Yeah. So uh, now we'll jump into to some USA stuff. So can you kind of explain your path to becoming the head coach of the of the women's 15s program? Yeah, sure. Um, so I started coaching uh, about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Oh, wow, I'm getting old. I am getting old. <laughs> and um, so I started coaching about 10 years ago, and I was working within the pathways within um, within England. So many of the players that now play for the senior team, I was, I was very lucky to be part of their little journey for a small amount of time. Uh, Jess Breaches, Zoe Harrisons, Hannah mm-hmm. Bottomans, et cetera. Um, and then at the same time, I started to coach sevens. So um, I was very lucky we... We uh, went around the world coaching sevens, yeah. um, raising money and awareness for a, a very cool charity that was very close to myself and my brother's heart. So we did that. And then after, I think it was about 50 tournaments or so, uh, we made a, an impression and I got the opportunity to go Saracens and um, to try and, and, and create a long-term, successful, sustainable, professional club. Yeah. So um, I went there, uh, created some wonderful memories, uh, made some lifelong friendships. And then um, the opportunity came about to um, 
to try and do the same in the US. Yeah. And, and I grabbed it with both hands. That's awesome. Uh, the next question I had for you is just kind of what about this opportunity led you away from Saracens? Like, what could you take us kind of through the, the decision making process and all that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So for me, I think as coaches, we can be quite, um, we can contradict ourselves quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is we're always telling players to challenge yourself, like challenge yourself, challenge, you know, challenge your skill sets, right. challenge challenge yourself away from the pitch. And, and for me, I think it's quite simple. Like you have to do the same as a coach. Yeah. Uh, I could have stayed at Saracens for another two, three, four years. You know, I, I spent a lot of time building that infrastructure, um, changing the, the age demographic of the team, yeah. you know, bringing in a lot of youngsters. Um, at the same time, the, the groups were very successful winning back-to-back titles, sevens titles, um, and, and creating, you know, creating lots of international opportunities for themselves. Yeah. I, I was just a little bit a part of that. And, and really, it just gets to a stage where you can, you can stay at a place quite selfishly and you can get all the kudos and, you know, you, you can enjoy the titles um, or you can challenge yourself, you know. And I think once you get a playing group to a certain stage, um, unless you're reinventing that wholeheartedly with complete new players, then, um, you know, it's important that you allow other people to, to take over and, and, and take the players on a different journey. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting that you say that. It kind of leads into the next question I had for you is because I find your coaching philosophy very interesting from, from what I've read about you. And I picked out a couple quotes from a <laughs> interesting word. Is, uh, interesting. <laughs> it's a funny word, interesting. It is. It's not bad, though. It's not bad. It's just I feel like it's a different approach that you don't normally hear people say. But it's a couple quotes I picked out from the World Rugby article they did on you not too long ago. And, and the first one is, my aim whenever I go to a coaching job is to do myself out of a coaching job. And then the second quote is development of coaches, development of programs, development of players. So, I mean, just kind of that first one, I feel like you don't he- normally hear people say that. I find that I find that very interesting. I was wondering if you could if you could talk a little bit about that. And I know just from chatting with you for these few minutes, um, it kind of fits in line with some of the stuff that you said are already. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Um, you know, it, it's it's one way. It's not the right way. It, it's it's what I believe in. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. For me, coaching is about unlocking the smartest thinking, and it's really about making sure that you're developing people at every opportunity and, and allowing coaches that you're developing or medical staff or S&C or players to be able to step into the limelight and, and to really take ownership of all the things that you create through your infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, a, nice, a nice way I look at things is you know, my role is to create an infrastructure yeah. And from that infrastructure, that allows player development. And then from that player development, that allows player empowerment. And then from there, you get performance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's in terms of players making myself redundant, the key focus point is about decision making. Yeah. So how they understand rugby. And it's really important when you take this approach that your other stakeholders are very much aligned with your vision because it is a hard road when you're trying to develop players decision making it means that you have to give them opportunities to be able to learn from what they're doing mm-hmm. so it, it means that things you know aren't as quickly as if you're going in there and you're being very rigid with you know what you're telling them to do in terms of tactical approach the technical is is very similar although mm-hmm. we put a big Owners on peer-to-peer transfer, you know, player-led meetings, but it takes some time to get players to the point and there's certain development stages before you really are 
redundant with that ownership and we're about three quarters of the way through of our journey with the women's national team mm. we're about 20 months in now yeah. so it, it does take a bit of time but yeah decision making is key and then the way I look at it is when you're a coach you're and, and especially in America where coaches are very central to everything you know like head coaches and other sports mm-hmm. um, it's very much about allowing yourself to drift to the back of the room and to give enough space and air to people to really like take over and then of course you're you're involved in everything but you're, you're trying to get them to see the game in a certain way and right a way they need to see it so they can be successful and, and it's about them seeing it and about them being successful it's not necessarily about me yeah and that's refreshing that's why i wanted to ask it because that's not something being an american myself and having you know played sports here and there, different, you know, football, rugby. I feel like that I just have not heard of that before. And so it's refreshing to hear that. So thank you for explaining that a little bit more. That's okay. Not yeah. worried at all. Yeah. Um, so you obviously you got a, a big residency program here at Infinity Park here. Uh, you come in, was it Sunday? Is that when the check-in is? Couple That's days? right, yeah. So I've, I, you, know, I, you know, I've been here a yeah. little while now. Um, Most of the, all the ground staff have been quarantining and, um, you know, taking the necessarily medical self-isolation and, and COVID testing ready for the players to, yeah. uh, to come in. Right. So I was just wondering if you could just tell us a little about this residency program. How long are you are you all here? Um, what, what's kind of this daily training environment looks like? Uh, if you could just kind of take us through what this program will look like over these next few weeks. Yeah, massively. So when I when I spoke previously about sort of how I, how I approach like a coaching role, yeah. like infrastructure is massive to me. It's very important. So... You know, obviously, one of the biggest threats when I came to the country was the country so big. Yeah. So we sort of tackled that in a few different ways. We invented the the WPL tour. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been around the country three times now. And wow. so what that means is you get the opportunity to meet coaches, uh, to meet the community, and to really do those sort of individual skills and, and start bedding in your playing philosophy at, at sort of like a, a basic stage before you get the players into an environment like this. Right. Now, at the same time, um, during COVID and, and all the things that have been happening with, with USA Rugby, um, we've been running a really robust remote program for the last five months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what that looks like for the players is individual skill videos. Um, we have two all-call meetings a week, one unit call a week, and that's with about 90 players. Wow. So that, that work that we put in previously before COVID actually allowed that five month period to be very successful because yeah. a lot of people switched to that, but we were already doing that. So we were very fortunate. So, so basically what we're doing in Denver is we're going to bring that to life. So we've, you know, we've just started to look at our team KPIs. We've started to cement the playing philosophy because now we're having real rugby conversations with players mm-hmm. and it's, it's, we get into that environment where they can take ownership of an attacking structure they'd like to, you know, play with or, how they'd like to fill and fold when they're attacking without the ball or what space they want to attack in terms of line out or how they want to kick with intent to, to control an area of the pitch. So we're bringing all those things to life. Um, So yeah, well, I'm really excited. Obviously, you know, the amount of logistical work and and medical safeguarding that has gone in, um, you know, is, is, has been fantastic. You know I mean? There's so many testing procedures, You've got isolation before anyone can can arrive, isolation periods. You've got daily symptom checks, yeah. temperature checks. Um, you've got social distancing. 
you've got masks, you know, and, and it's really, it's been really important to, to make this, you know, a safe environment for everyone. So we're taking every precaution possible and, and that's going to be a theme all the way through the eight weeks. So it, it's going to look a little bit different for the players, Yeah. but really that's just to safeguard them. And then we just have to work hard as a, as a staff to make sure that we can still make the big impact that we like to do. Yeah, and I can imagine getting ready for a, a, the World Cup a year from from the day we're recording this podcast is, is already tough enough, and then you mix in the the COVID stuff and it makes it that much harder. I'm sure. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think that the the disappointing thing for all the players was, you know, when we mapped out our campaign plan and we looked at what we were doing, 2020 was always going to be the year of the team. Mm-hmm. That's where we, that you know, that's where I felt we would get the team to be able to start resembling like a, a big chunk of performance time. Yeah. So losing those games is disappointing. But I think, you know, us putting this together for, to benefit the players in Denver and the remote programming that we've still got going on as well at the same time, like we're running a, a full remote program for players that can't get to Denver. Right. It just really shows that, you know, we've still got a lot of intent heading into 21 and, we just want to support the players as best we can. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Uh, so, Rob, I wanted to ask, what what is kind of the overall goal? Like, at the end of these next eight weeks, what is what is? Do you have like a big goal that you could share with us? Because I, I I could be wrong, but I would assume it's to not be you know ripping ready to go for the World Cup in, in two months, right? Or this just kind of laying the foundation for the next step? Yeah, or? that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We've gone through, so we've basically gone through three different cycles during COVID. Mm -hmm. So the first cycle um, was called Vision. So we spent a lot of time in getting the players to understand, you know, firstly learning how they saw the game and then getting them to understand how they need to see the game. Then the next cycle was Cognition. So again, that's just a a progression from Vision. Mm -hmm. And now we're going into our Deed cycle where we get to bring Vision and Cognition uh, to, to life. So it's really about bringing all those team reveals, playing philosophies, KPIs, whether it's rugby, mental, physical, or environment, to life. And, and this is our first building block as we um, as we look ahead into 21. So at the end of this, um, you know, we're hoping that the players know where they stand. So we know where we are with our you know top 60 players. Um, they know where they feature in short, medium, or long term. Because right. the exciting thing about Denver is we've got we've got so many youngsters coming as well. Because you know one thing that we really want to get right and be better at than when I came into the role was we want to make sure that there's a robust succession plan in place, mm-hmm. so that you know if people do step away, we've got three or four different players that can step up and they can just come in and do what they do best, which is play rugby rather than having to get capped all at the same time and go through the same nerves and first-time experiences. Right. That's what we're hoping to get out of of Denver. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I mean, especially with all the twists and turns that this year has thrown, that sounds more important than ever right now. So, um, And then, like I mentioned, we're recording this a a year – in a year from today, the 2021 rugby. Get, we better have another call in a year then, see how it's going. I know, yes. Yeah, we have to schedule again, <laughs> recurring guest. <laughs> yeah, a year from today, though, like I mentioned. How does that sound to you? Is that scary? Is that exciting? How, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, to be honest, it's, I mean, it's, it's very exciting. You know, there's, there's um, a lot of people that are excited. I'm excited, but if I'm being completely honest, I'm very much just focusing on 
the next sort of eight to 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, I'm focusing on this block. And then as we get closer, the, the excitement will, you know, get bigger. But it will really, for me, it will get more. I'll be excited for the players. Right. You know, because every week that we spend together, every week that we get closer, they're, you know, hopefully in a better position to do things that haven't been done before. And then it, it just allows, um, you know, you to, to really understand that you've done a good job and, and they, they are where they need to be so they can do the things that they want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Rob, uh, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure talking to you. That's all, that's all the questions I had. So if you, if you uh, would like to include anything else, feel free. No, I just, um, just a massive thank you to the whole rugby community. You know, thank you to everyone that donates the 15 Foundation. Um, you know, you really are supporting the players. Thanks to you know all the clubs that do send all the wishes and all the all the people that send the world wishes to the players. It really does mean a lot, and we're really hoping that you know we can count on you in this final year, so you know we can help the players do things that they they haven't done before and and allow them to represent you as they want to. Yes, certainly, awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Colton. Right. Keep safe. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with United States Women's Eagles 15 team head coach Rob Kane. Really enjoyed talking to Rob, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him down the road. I'm excited to see the work that they're doing. I'm excited to see all that payoff in, in the next year. Um, again, thank you again to Rob for taking the time to chat. The guests make the show, um, and he was an awesome guest to have. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show. Um, so we'll go ahead and touch on the, the MLR announcement again from earlier this week. Uh, but Martin Pangeli of The Guardian wrote a, good inter- uh, wrote a good article. It's entitled Major League Rugby to Kick Off Season 4 in March with COVID Plans in Place. So he had an exclusive interview with the commissioner of MLR, George Killebrew, and asked him about the restart and a number of other things. So I picked out a few interesting nuggets from this article, but I encourage you all to go read the rest of it. Um, so the first one I talked about is uh, really, is the first quote in the article is from George Killebrew, um, and he says, we would be fine if, God forbid, we did not play this next season, which I think we will in some format. So I know a lot of people were kind of wondering what was going to happen with MLR if they weren't able to go ahead with this next season or um, they weren't able to put on a bubble scenario or something like that. And um, George Killebrew, according to him, says that, that it would, they would be fine and they would continue on. So I'm sure that's encouraging for rugby fans everywhere to hear. Um, another thing that he said, speaking of the bubble, is that they do have uh, a plan in their back pocket for a reduced season. Um, they also have a bubble plan, so I would imagine that they won't release any information about all that unless they absolutely have to. Um, but they, they do have they have had the benefit of time over these last few months to see how these other leagues have done it. Um, so that's kind of the little the second nugget that I picked out. The third one is that a Chicago team was was very close to being announced, according to. Um, some of Martin's sources that he, that he cites in the article. Um, and, then, and then another thing that I picked out, this is kind of the last nugget, and then I'll let you all read the rest of it if this is something that you're interested in. Um, is a little. I just took a little blurb from the article, so I'll read it. The Guardian can confirm, both from sources around the league and documents obtained, that the entrance fee for an MLR expansion team is now $10 million, with $15 million in assets expected also to be in place. The same sources said a Chicago team was close to being announced. So there you go. That's straight kind of from the article. So that kind of gives you an idea of what these people are looking at. If you're, if you're looking to start a team, so you're going to have to have at least $25 million at the ready 
um, ready to go to, to start your team to buy into the competition and another 15 million to uh, to you know operate everything so 10 million dollar buy-in 15 million dollar in assets to, to you know to operate the team so it's a pretty penny kind of get an idea of what people are looking at when they when they make this jump and, and try to get into the league so again I'll let everyone else read the rest of that that's something that you're interested in so uh, with that we'll go ahead and in the required reading portion of the show and we'll jump into the loop so loops just kind of talk about what we what we've got going on here at DNVR rugby what to expect in the coming weeks so I've been working really hard these last few weeks to gather some cool interviews with some really cool guests over the last couple weeks like I was saying and I'm excited for you all to hear those uh, I've got a few more guests in the pipeline in addition to some fun stuff that we'll be doing with the women's national team while they are in town and they're walking around the facility. Um, so we're trying to take full, full advantage of, of getting those ladies on and talking about the work that they're doing, which I think people are really interested in. Uh, I'm certainly interested in it. I hope uh, everybody else is too. So got a cool piece coming out. Um, should be in the next week or so on the specifics of the Rugby Town Crossover Academy that Mark Bullock talked about on last week's episode. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I would encourage everyone to go check that out um, if you haven't done so. It's it's pretty cool. It's a cool idea, and, and the work that they're putting into it um, is second to none. It's I once, You'll get a better idea once I can get this article out, um, but it's taking a little bit longer. But they, they really are working hard, and I think it's a really cool project, and hopefully it's something that is sustainable and uh, we can look forward to you know in the years to come because... Um, Based on what I've heard, and, and I'll go over all this in the article, it sounds like it could be really promising. And I mean, just listening to Mark Bullock last week, he's excited about it. And when, when someone involved with it is that excited about it, it's hard for everyone else to not be, you know. So, Otherwise, uh, that's kind of what we've got going on. So otherwise, make sure you're following along with us on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colvin Strickler. We've been posting all the work that we're putting out. Um, and anything else uh, regarding the rugby community, the rugby world, the rugby news that you all need to see. So that's my show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you again to Rob Kane for joining me for the interview. Hope you all had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. I'll catch you all back here next week. Go Nuggets. Go Nuggets.